Um, Please stay standing for the reading of the Word of God. This is Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. This is the Word of God. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. For I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is the word of God. Praise him for the reading and the hearing of scripture. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the incredible opportunity to sing your promises. Wow, it's awesome. Lord, to get into some old hymns this Sunday was good. Good for our souls. Good to remember. And God, to sing these truths, it's not lost on us, oh God. Lord, life is fast, it moves quickly, and we think of words that say, perfect submission, all is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. God, would you please take the gospel and the word, and would you make that true? by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because, Lord, if we're honest, sometimes not all is at rest, at least not in our minds. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are really, really struggling. Some of us are crying. Some of us are just waiting on you. And, God, those are hard things. So, Lord, all that we are is in Christ, and in Christ we have hope, and in Christ we trust, and in Christ our resurrection and our heavenly home is near to us. And Jesus, you're here now in this room. Jesus, you are alive and inside of us, and you're in this room now. Wow. We just drink that in. And Lord, as we pray, we ask that the word would speak. We're launching our kids' ministries tonight. We're launching youth group tonight. God, how we pray so earnestly for the next generation to know the gospel and to lay their lives down for Jesus Christ. And all that starts tonight. Be with Julie, be with Rob, be with our team. So important, God. Our children are. And so, Lord, even now as we pray, 
and we hear a sermon on prayer, oh God, would you please build up the saints, encourage them, may it be a transformational kind of morning. And Lord, would you save those who are lost? And we expect you to do great things because your promises are so great. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. So Romans 1, 8 through 15 is our text this morning, and we are continuing the sermon series, The Gospel, The Power of God for Salvation. And Romans is certainly holy ground. The book of Romans is holy ground. Can I get a Christian amen? If you've read Romans, you know this is holy ground we're, we're stepping on. In fact, I have been praying about Romans for years And I have been too scared to schedule the preaching of Romans because I feel so inadequate and unworthy to preach this this passage, this whole 16 chapters. It is deep, man. If Philippians is joyful and encouraging in your Bible reading, Romans is deep, And it is the greatest definition of the gospel that you will find in the New Testament. If you want to know what this gospel is really all about, go to Romans and read. And there will be so many chapters of Romans where you will have your mind blown away by Paul. Romans will trouble you. There, you heard it from me right now. You have been warned. There will be certain passages we preach through that you will be troubled by. You will be like, say what? Paul said what? The word of God says what? Can we move on from this passage? This makes me feel uncomfortable. You've been warned. We're not backing off of it. Amen? i tell you what it says. But it is the deepest gift from God in my opinion, in the New Testament. It gifts the believers a deep, solid foundation to live on. And if you get Romans, you will get blessed in ways you have never experienced before. And I want that for you. And that's my prayer for you as your pastor, that God will do that good work inside your soul as we go. Now, the church in Rome, it was the recipient of Paul's letter. So this Roman church is sitting in the middle of this ancient capital city that's bursting with people and influence and power. So the the church at Rome is sitting in the middle of the the greatest like empire that the, the world had ever seen at that time. Like in the ancient world, there was no more strategic city than Rome to live in. If you lived in Rome, it was like living in Des Moines, Iowa. Can I get an amen? Oh, wait. Now, think about the most influential cities that you can think of right now globally. It was, Rome was all of that wrapped into one. And there were Christians there in Rome. The church had been started and the Christian message of Christ had gone forward. And that is who Paul is writing to. Now, he begins with his introduction. This is who I am and this is why I'm writing to you. And this is why I have authority to talk into your life as a church. Pastor John talked about that last week in his sermon. By what authority, Paul, do you write to us? We're the Christ followers, boots on the ground in the greatest city in the world. Who are you to tell us things, right? So Paul lays down 
his authority by which he comes as an apostle. And then in this section of scripture, verses 8 through 15, we have Paul beginning to unpack his love and his prayer for the church. Paul is praying for this church. Praise God. Paul is praying for the church in Rome. And this is really the theme of the sermon this morning is prayer. That is kind of funny. Because in God's providence, 2022 has been the year of prayer, right? We preach sermons at the beginning of the message, uh, the beginning of the year in 2022. Um, this is going to be the year of prayer. We challenged you to pray for five minutes a day, every day for the year, right? And then I came back from sabbatical and reminded you that this is still a, a prayer year because the text said we talk about it. And then we challenged you even last month to make this year a year of prayer. And now by God's good providence, here we are again with a prayer sermon. And my heart for you is that you will be encouraged in your prayer life to take the next step, to take the next step in your prayer walk. And this week, even try something new. Try some new experience for the glory of God and the good of his church. So the theme continues. Now, think about prayer. Remember how you learned how to pray. Okay, what was it? If you were a little bit more religious, okay, a little bit more um, high liturgy growing up in a church setting, you probably prayed the Our Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Probably this fast, <laughs> maybe faster, right? And it was just kind of a thing, right? And if you grew up in a certain tradition, it was hail Mary, Mary, full of grace. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, right? And you had that going on for you, Okay. That might be how you learned how to pray. And you're like, okay, I, I know this prayer thing, but that was pre-Jesus, right? Before you came to Christ. That's how you prayed all the time. Now, if you grew up in a more evangelical setting, this is probably how you learned to pray. Talk to God like he's your friend. Okay. So you get into the prayer time and you're basically saying, uh, hey God, Josh here. So I get, I, I don't really know what to say. So let's just get right down to it. Here's my needs. <laughs> Here's stuff in eight, pop, 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 right? And all of a sudden, like, that's your prayer experience. Pre-Jesus, right? Pre-Jesus. You're just, like, shoveling out what you need. And if you've been influenced by movies or culture at all, right, that, that, that'll teach you how to pray. Not correctly, but pre-Jesus, like, it'll teach you how to, uh, to pray to sweet baby Jesus with the golden diaper, you know? Sweet baby Jesus, golden diaper, movie if you know the movie I'm talking about, you know, that's funny. That's funny stuff. But maybe that's how you thought how to pray, right? But then when you get saved by Jesus, I mean, you really believe in the blood of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. He radically transforms your life, amen? And he, tra he transforms your prayers. You can't pray the same way you used to pray anymore. You start praying to Jesus and you start praying with intimacy and passion and connection and love and intercession for other people. And you really get into this thing and Jesus radically transforms the way you pray. You start holding on to promises. You know, you're like that really spiritual Christian everybody knows in their life. Like, oh yeah, that guy or that girl, they really know how to pray. They like have Bible verses memorized and they start praying the promises to God. You know what I'm saying? Amen, Christian? Once you meet Jesus, you're kind of wrecked. 
because he transforms the way you pray. But even in that, Christians go through seasons where they are like, okay, what am I supposed to pray for now? Have you ever asked that? Sure you have. What am I supposed to pray for now? And that is the title of the sermon this morning. What am I supposed to pray for? Or what should I pray for? And that is what Paul's going to tell us about in this text of scripture. He's going to tell us what we should pray for. And going to fill in the blanks for us. And it's going to be, by God's grace, so encouraging for you. You don't have to wander around. We've all had the car ride where we're like, I'm going to pray. You start praying. And then it's either a train wreck because like, it's just bad. You don't know what to say. Or it's a runaway train where you're thinking about XYZ distraction, right? Like, Dear father, thank you so much. Hey, what's the score of the game? <laughs> father, I just, I really want to, I really want to meditate on this promise and I'm going to start thinking through this and like, I wonder what we're having for supper. Seriously. I wonder what that's. And you keep coming back and you're like, dude, runaway train, help me. That's what Paul's trying to do for you this morning. He is trying to help you say, here's what you should pray for. Good. Here we go. Paul's going to give us three essentials, three essentials of what to pray for. God wants you to know what to pray for. He's a good God that way. He doesn't want you wandering around in your prayer life. He wants to give you a pattern, an essential of what to pray for. Essential number one is this, expansion. God wants you to pray for expansion. This is in verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul's prayer starts with that phrase in verse eight, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. Paul starts his prayer life with praise, with gratitude, with worship, with thanksgiving. That's how he starts his prayer life. Now, Christian, is that a good thing? Can I get a witness? It's good to say thank you. It's good to lead off your prayer life with thanksgivings to God because we know our own sinful heart is, has a tendency to be cynical, right? Cynical, narrow-minded. I need my stuff, right? Paul starts with thanksgiving and praise and worship. And he's thanking God for the Roman church. Why? Because their faith is being proclaimed in all the world. And Paul, the verb in, in thank, the verb is continuous. So this has a continuous tense of this. I am continually saying thank you continually for you Roman church because your faith keeps going farther and farther and farther. So Paul is like this amazingly thankful person. Isn't that so annoying? Isn't Paul so annoying? He's always giving thanks to God in his prayers. Like, gee whiz, guy, get a real life. So many times when we come into prayer, we're like, well, you know, thanks God. I guess I'm breathing today, but here's all my problems. You want to know all my problems? Here's all my issues. You know, all my enemies, here's all my enemies. Here's all my stuff. Paul is constantly thanking God all the time. First Corinthians one, four, 
Ephesians 1.15, Philippians 1.3, Colossians 1.3 and 4. Paul is this grateful prayer warrior. All he does is lead off his time giving thanks. And why is he giving thanks? Because the Roman church, their witness is expanding. See, there it is, expansion. We're praying for expansion. The witness of the Roman church is expanding. The word about the Christian faith is going out in the most important city in the world, and it is taking ground, right? Now, Paul knows this because the gospel, Jesus said that. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go make disciples, all right? He said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So the church is on the offense, amen? The church is on the offense. We are supposed to be taking the name of Jesus everywhere we go. And when it is advancing, we are to thank God for every advancement we hear about. The church is on the offense. Unlike the Iowa Hawkeye football team. I had to say it. I don't know what that is. Okay, think about what you saw yesterday from the Hawkeye game. Opposite of that, that's biblical, Hey, I could write Brian Ferentz and say, your offense is unbiblical. Amen. <laughs> Done deal. I'm writing, that. I'm writing that letter. So Paul is seeing the offense. Church is on the offense. Church is on the move. Gospel's going out. Name of Jesus going out. And Paul is saying, yes, I am thankful that I'm hearing about this. It reminds us of 1 Thessalonians 1.8, where Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, He says, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone out forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So this is a very similar statement in Thessalonians as what Paul is saying in Romans. So here's the reality of our prayer life. Paul is saying to us today, if you're going to pray and you don't know what to pray for, pray for expansion. Every time you hear about the gospel expanding out, wherever you hear about it, get behind that in prayer and say, God, thank you for X, Y, and Z expansion. Keep doing it. This is good. Okay, let's just break it down. Corporately as a church, here's what church world can be like sometimes. Very territorial, right? If the church across the neighborhood is growing, the one church is like, well, I mean, yeah, good for them, I guess. But really, I mean, like, it's really not as good as, you know, living waters. Amen? Oh, man. But, like, it's so that way. Like, we hear about a ministry growing in grace. Jesus is proclaimed. People are coming to Christ in another church. And so many times we as Christians are just like, well, it's not my church. So, and Paul is saying, oh, my Anytime you hear about a church proclaiming Jesus, get behind that church with gratitude. In your prayer life, thank God for that ministry. And I think by God's grace, that that has been a really good thing in our church over the years. We love the other churches in in our neighborhood. I love what God's doing. I love those individuals. We should pray that the gospel gets more success in their churches. You know why? Because we don't need another lesson that the world is going to pot, do we? Can we all agree that everybody needs Jesus? Then anybody that's naming the name of Christ, if they're orthodox and they are walking with the truth, we should be behind them in our prayer life. Now, break it down. 
What about your small group? Well, my small group's okay, but no, the other small group's really growing. Our small group's not growing. You know, like, well, we need maybe take some more people from them. And, you know, like, like there's this competition inside a church for small groups. And it's like, come on. The name of Jesus is being proclaimed in a small group. Thank God for that small group. Get behind. And if you're not in a small group, get in one. Be the change. Thank God for what God is doing. What about witnessing one-on-one? Just you hear somebody share the gospel. Maybe one of your coworkers is sharing the gospel, going out, going for it, you know, taking a risk, building a relationship. You hear about, praise God for that. Say thank you for that. You see what I'm saying? Like prayer, if you're struggling with what to pray for, pray for the expansion of the kingdom. We need Jesus named everywhere all over the world. We need the propagation of the gospel. We need the sharing of the gospel. And in our prayer life, we must thank God for anybody who is doing the work of proclaiming Jesus. That's essential. That's essential number one. Essential number two is open doors. Open doors. When we pray, we not only pray for expansion, but we pray for open doors, verse 9 and 10. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, pay attention to these next phrases, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now go down to verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. So Paul says, somehow, by God's will, I'm praying earnestly that I finally might succeed in coming to you. Paul really wanted to come to the Roman church. He was passionate about it. He wanted to come visit. Why did he want to come visit? Who wouldn't want to come visit the Roman church, the most influential church in the world? I would want to go there and preach the gospel. That's what Paul wanted. But yet, what was going on? He couldn't get there. (laughs) I mean, talk about a bummer, right? It's like having the vacation destination in your mind that you just can't get to. Remember COVID? You guys remember this thing called COVID? Remember we all had trips and destinations and we wanted to go here and there and all of a sudden, bam, whammo, we're at home playing Sellers of Catan with your kids for 47 straight days. (laughs) I mean... Or something like that. I'm not sure what you all did, but that's what we did. Okay, have you ever read the Proverb 13, verse 19? Proverbs 13, 19. A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul. You know that's true. When your desire is fulfilled, it is sweet to you. Now, Paul was saying, that's my desire not quite there yet. I want to get to you, Roman church, but it's not there. So therefore, what's he praying for? He's praying for open doors. I'm praying that at last, somehow by God's will, I might have this door open to me to come visit you. Now, Romans 15, later on in the same letter, Romans 15 tells us that Paul had been praying about this desire for years. Years. He had wanted to get to Rome for years. 
Romans 15. This is the reason why I have often been hindered from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for you for many years, there it is, I've longed to come to you, to, and I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul just, he wanted these doors to be open so bad, and years he's been praying for this open door. Any of you have prayer requests that have been years long? Probably every hand, probably every person in here. You have prayer requests that are years long. And I want to encourage you, you're in good company, you're with the Apostle Paul. He had been praying for God to open a door for years. This is how the Christian life is. We pray that God would open up doors, doors for ministry, doors for our lives, doors for relationships. We, as Christians, can try to do our thing, our way, and our timing. But how often does that work out, Christian? Like, never, never. When we try to force it, and I can will it, and I can make it happen, watch me live the Christian life, get everything I want, right when I want it, Jesus literally laughs at, from heaven at us. He says, you think you're something with your strength and your will and your stuff? And he breaks us in a minute. We must pray. We must get in our prayer closets and pray for open doors. God, please open up doors. And isn't this what Jesus said? Your kingdom come, your will be done, Matthew 6.10. Isn't this what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said in James 4.15? If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Some of you need to put a Lord willing at the end of your sentences. Some of you are talking big, but there's no Lord willing in there. And God's about ready to push you down to the ground. You're wondering, like, why am I down on the ground again? Well, how about, how about you're not praying for open doors? We must pray for open doors. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I think we have to stop and just take time to pray. And when we pray, we need to say, God, please open up doors for me. Open up doors for me. Doors of evangelism. How about that? You want to share the gospel with non-Christians? How about you start praying, God, please open a door. Please open a door. Um, just a story on that. Just yesterday, it was raining yesterday, if you guys were paying attention. <laughs> and our evangelism team went out, and we prayed for open doors. We, we always pray for open doors before we go out. We've been praying for open doors. And we went to a Nepalese family that came to our VBS that we've been in contact with. We're just trying to pray, God, for open doors. So Reuben and I go, and we, we went to their house, and we, we pulled into the driveway, and the two boys, Prince and Pascal, are out in the, in the garage, just hanging out, playing, whatever. We walk up to the driveway, and you can tell Pascal, he's a junior higher, he's looking at us with the normal junior high look. You know, that kind of thing, what, what, what? Then he realizes it's me from the summer, from VBS. We just saw him this last week at our Serve the Riverwood School event. And all, you guys, you should have seen that. It was unbelievable. His eyes light up as soon as you recognize. And Reuben can attest to this. He came running down the driveway to give me a hug. Church, what is that? Hey, it's emotional. It's awesome. It's cool. It's an open door. 
as an open door. What is that? That's a result of prayer. I, that's nothing about me. That's nothing about our church. That's nothing about, hey, we did the right things the right way. We have been praying for open doors. And then his, their mom, Yoga, comes down the, the stairs from the deck and, and she remembered me from VBS and we had a good talk and, and Ruben and I gave them gospel tracts and some candy as well and some other stuff, information. And, and ultimately we started talking and we said, yoga, we would love, you're Hindu, right? Yep, Hindu. Active? Yep, active Hindu. We would love to share Christianity with you. Would you be open to that? And she looks like, oh, yes, yes, I think I would. I think I've talked to my husband, but we would be open to that. What is that? Open doors. I've never led a Hindu to Christ. I'm praying that this is it, right? I, I want that. I want that for you. I want that for us as a church. We must pray for these things. What about like, you know, community connections and community open doors and your neighbor? How about your neighborhood? Some of you, y'all just start praying for your neighborhood and say, God, just would you give me some open doors? Watch what happens. You'll be a magnet in your neighborhood. God will just start sending you people. But you got to pray for it. What about, you know, healing and health? This has been a big one. Open doors to connect with people who need healing and health. You know what I'm saying? This is an emotional one. Because there's cancer in our church. There's people in hospital rooms right now in our church, there's, there's people who just need, right, someone to come visit them and pray with them and love them. And it's always like, it's like playing, you know, Johnny Calendar, you know, during the week. It's like, how do I get here and there? And how do we do all this stuff? And how does our church do that? And how do we, how do we empower other people to do that stuff? And how do schedules work out in such a way that you get there right at the right time so that the open door is there and you can minister the gospel to someone? who's maybe on the verge of dying or on the verge of a big surgery or on the verge of a big health worry. Like, what is that all about? It's all about praying for open doors. You see what I'm saying? This is essential. In your prayer life, we're not only praying for expansion, which is awesome, we should. We're also praying for open doors. God, look at the timing of things and would you please open a door at the right time? This building is an open door. Amen? It's a result of thousands of prayers. Thousands upon thousands of prayers from you and me and everybody else. And God has opened the door in his time. And God is right on schedule. An open door. The last essential of prayer is this. Harvest. Harvest. The last essential of prayer is harvest. I could preach on this for an hour. I'm going to try to preach on it in eight minutes. Okay? For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that, it may be, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Verse 13, this is very important in this text. In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as the, among the rest of the Gentiles. That verse is the center of the point. Paul expected a spiritual harvest when he came. He said, when I come to you, Romans, I expect to share and reap some sort of harvest among you as a church and the Gentiles, the people who don't know Jesus. 
This is awesome. He expected the gospel to do its own work. Did you know the gospel ex- exists outside of us? Yeah, it's, it's fact. It's outside of us. We plug into it. But when we plug into the gospel, we plug into activity. We expect harvest. When we sow seeds of the word of God down, we expect harvest. If you're a farmer in Iowa or in the Midwest, you put seed into the ground and you expect harvest in the fall. Amen? You expect it. Even in a drought year, you expect it. It would be a terrible farmer who's like laissez-faire about the whole operation, you know? Like in the spring, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just throwing some seed out there and not like I really expect anything in the fall, I guess. He'd be like, dude, you're a terrible farmer. Get out of farming. <laughs> you know, like, like farmers expect it. They trust God to provide the weather, but they expect it. A lot of Christians look like bad farmers. We believe this gospel, Jesus, in our hearts, but we don't expect a harvest. We sow seed sometimes when it's convenient, I'll share the gospel. When it's convenient, I'll live the gospel. But really, I'm just kind of one or two seeds, I guess, you know? And then we don't even expect a harvest. Well, maybe Jesus will work, but probably not. Like we're doubting the harvest as we're sowing the seed. That's bad Christian. It's bad Christianity. We ought to be like the faithful farmer, like Paul. You sow the seed of the gospel, you expect the gospel to be at work. In what way, Paul? A harvest is coming. Church, do you believe that? A harvest is coming in your life? If you're a believer in Jesus authentically, you must expect it. You must. Because Jesus, it's what he does. He saves sinners. And he sanctifies and builds up saints. So there's two arenas in which Paul expected a harvest. One was amongst non-Christians, Greeks. He said, I expect to reap a harvest among Greeks or Gentiles. And then in verse 14, he says, I'm under obligation to Greeks and barbarians, wise and foolish. Basically what Paul is saying here in verse 14 is Greeks and barbarians, the uh, civilized and the uncivilized is a good way to say it. Every single type of sinner, the gray poupon civilized sinner and the people who don't use gray poupon, right? For those of you who remember 1980s commercials, you were with me there. Yeah. But Paul says, I don't really care if they're civilized or uncivilized. And then he also says, the wise and foolish, the educated and the uneducated, I don't really care what kind of non-Christian I'm hanging out with. I expect people to get saved. Isn't that cool? When I preach the word at Living Waters, I expect people to get saved. Absolutely. Every Sunday I preach, I, I expect God to save people. Is that arrogance? No. That's believing what the word says, that God will save those who he's calling himself. So some of you need to repent. And here's your gospel invitation, right? You're, you're a lost sinner. You need Jesus. You need to repent and believe in Christ. Christ loves you. You need to talk to me after the service if you don't know Jesus because you need to be saved. Don't risk eternity suffering in hell apart from God because you're too proud to come talk to a pastor. Get saved, right? That's the thing. I expect that. Paul expected that. He expected all kinds of non-Christians to be saved. So if you're a Christian, 
Pray about the harvest. Pray about your non, non-church, non-saved friends and say, God, please give me the grace to connect with all of them so that I can hear the gospel and I expect you to save some of them, God. Right? But also the harvest is for Christians. Did you notice that? He said, I will reap a harvest among you. And then he says in verse 15, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. I mean, you got to think Paul is crazy, right? Does he not understand what he's saying? I'm eager to preach the gospel to those of you who already know the gospel. What? I'm eager to preach the gospel to those of you who already know Jesus and you're going to heaven. It seems weird. Here's what he means. You never graduate from the gospel. Never. I don't care if you are five years old or 95 years old. The gospel is our song. Amen? It's our hope. And when Christians get together and they both love the gospel, there's a harvest that happens. It's not evangelistic, but it is like serious Holy Spirit-driven fruit. Like that things happen. There's a harvest of spiritual blessing that happens. Every time Christians get together, God does stuff. Amen? That's good. You get into a small group, and you get into a small group that loves Jesus, you know you're blessed when you go. What is that? That's the blessing of the gospel. You review the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Hope in Christ. Our eternity is in heaven. We get together and talk about that. It is a blessing every time. That is a harvest of growth and change. Cool. It's when you go to church and you weren't expecting a blessing and you walk out of church and you say, I'm so thankful I went this morning. What is that? Harvest. It's God doing his thing. It's, it's going to small group. Like our small group just started. It's all new, all new people. Everybody comes together this last Wednesday and, and you know, people are getting emotional. Getting emotional talking about the word. And we're getting Romans. We're going to get in Romans. We're going to go verse by verse. It's just, everybody's new. And yet it, it was emotional. Like we've been together forever. It was crazy. And people start getting emotional talking about what God, they want God to do in their life. What is that? Harvest. Harvest. Jesus Christ, church, is right here in this room. Do you believe that? Amen. He is right here among us. What are we doing? Harvest. Blessing. Getting ready for the next thing that God's called you to. So, as you pray, you should pray for harvest. What should I pray for? What should I pray for? Expansion, open doors, and harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for your good grace to our church. Lord, we are so unworthy of this amazing message called the gospel, and yet we're so joyful to receive it this morning. God, our prayer life, you're calling us to something greater, higher, better. You're calling us to take the next step. So Lord, with every Christian in this house, I pray that you would just encourage them toward prayer. Prayer that prays for expansion, Lord, I pray that you would move us to just, just be so thankful and grateful in our prayer life. And God, we just think about what you're doing. 
Just lead us to Jesus now. Help us respond now. And God, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's uh, stand and sing together.